Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and shortcomings and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm so grateful for this time that I get to fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you have taken us so far from where we have been in our past. We thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful, Lord, and just towards us that you give us grace, Lord, and your mercy instead of your judgment. Lord, I'm asking right now that you open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear, that your word will be understood, that we will learn more from you as we continue to go. For we have to learn your word, Lord, to understand who you are. Let it lead us into deeper relationship and to pursue the things that you want for us. For you are almighty God. You can do all things. There is nothing, Lord, nothing in this world too hard for you. And I'm asking, Lord, that this ministry will grow and that we will branch out and that we find vessels fit for the master to use, those who are not ashamed of the gospel, those that are willing to to lay out the truth, Lord, at all costs. So, Lord, I'm asking right now that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, jealousy, hatred, malice, Lord, uh, deceit, um, all, all things, Lord, that have nothing to do with you. Let your Holy Ghost be here and let it fall on us, Lord, that we may receive your truth and power. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, almighty God, faithful, just, and true, worthy to be praised. Lord, do it for your glory. Do it for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so... Tonight's study is going to be pretty controversial. You know, it's one of those things where you, oh yeah, the ones where, um, you know, I always feel if the church isn't telling the truth, then nobody is. You know, all subjects and issues should be able to be addressed here, and they're supposed to branch out because we are the light and salt of the earth, like Jesus says, and when the salt has lost its savor, then it's no good but to be trodden under by the foot of man. So we want to do our parts in uplifting the Lord and exposing the darkness. All right, so uh, from here, let's go to let's go to Matthew seven. Matthew seven. I think there are two things we're gonna to need to tackle before we go right into the lesson. I always get emails from people and things that you're like, oh boy, here we go. It's right here written in the Bible. But <laughs> All right, Matthew 7. I know the Bibles are new. It's hard to get to some of those pages. They stick together and all. You got it? All right. Oh yeah, now you have the same pages. Oh. I can cheat. That's right. That's what they've been doing. <laughs> right. All right, Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that be... And that ye be not judged. 
For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out thy mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam that is in thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Interesting points why I wanted to go here is because the whole world knows this scripture, judge not lest ye be judged, but they always stop right there instead of understanding what Jesus said to do. Okay, he's not speaking against judgment here. He's speaking against hypocritical judgment. He's saying that while you're sitting there judging everyone, make sure that your house is cleaned up so you can judge a situation properly. He's not saying don't judge a situation because if we're the light and salt of the earth, then, you know, <laughs> what are we supposed to do? Right. We don't condemn people, but we, ju we can judge a matter if our houses are cleaned up and we're judging righteously. So I just wanted to bring that point and let's go here to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Some people think that condemnation and judgment is the same thing, and no. it's not. The Lord is the only one that can do that. Right. Yeah, I was actually listening to something about that. Um, a lot of people take, like, one verse, and then they take it out of context with the rest of the thing. Oh, yeah. Because they say, he says it again, but he says judge righteously. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But the whole world just wants you to leave them alone, and that's what it's really about. Okay, First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll start at verse... Where do we want to go? Six. No. Or uh, yeah, we'll start at 14. Okay. okay. Why does this not look right? I am. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I know it's something wrong here. Like, wait a minute. Wait, no, we're supposed to be in first. <laughs> first Corinthians chapter 2. Yes. Now it got it. Okay. Chapter 2, we'll start at verse uh, 13. And it says, uh, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but in the Holy, but in the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he learn them or know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the thing here is Paul's making a distinction between a natural mind and a spiritual mind. You know that a spiritual mind is connected to God. It transcends time and space. A natural mind is that which you can perceive with your five senses. Your reality is what you can see, what you can hear, what you can taste, what you can touch. That's just the world, you know, because that's why when you speak of God and people, well, I don't see him. So, well, you see so much order, so you know that there is a God. But it has to hit you in your spirit to where you know that God exists, that he is real, and there are evidences of his existence. So, you know, we don't have to dispute that. But verse 15 says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Uh, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. 
So our outlook is going to be completely different. Clearly here the Bible's not speaking against judgment. It's just speaking against hypocritical judgment. If you have the mind of Christ, you can rightly judge a situation. So they're speaking of a different realm altogether. And I said that to say this because tonight's study is going to be called As It Was in the Days of Lot. Okay, so we're going to uh, cover quite a few subjects here. Um, the Days of Lot, it would be interesting to know what they were about. So let's go to days of what? Lot. 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 L-O-T, okay. yeah. Okay. He was the um, nephew of Abraham. All right, so it's Luke 17 and uh, 26. Let's go there. You can't bring up a more controversial subject than this. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Luke seventeen. Let's start at. Let's start at twenty six. Yeah. All right. Jesus says, this is red letter, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. So, I mean, you guys are, I'm sure, familiar with the time of Noah's flood. You know, Noah told the people that the Lord was going to judge the earth for the wickedness that they were committing. People ignored it, and, you know, when Noah went to enter into the ark, God shut the door, and the flood came. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, verse 28, and it says, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Uh, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone uh, from heaven and destroyed them all. Uh, even thus shall it be in the days, in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So, you know, I just wanted to go there because, um, as a matter of fact, I'll read two more lines. Uh, in that day, he which uh, shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not go come down and take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. You know, so what the Lord is saying here. Let's just get an understanding of the time of Lot. Let's go to Genesis uh, 18, and we'll continue from there. But, you know, Jesus is obviously making this so important, or he wouldn't bring up something that happened 2,500 years before he came to the earth. So if it's important to him, it's something we should pay attention to. go to Genesis uh, 18 and 20, 20 verse, uh, verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. 
And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. And Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Now the Lord actually came to visit Abraham. I believe personally this is Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus existed long before his, his coming. You know, there are so many things that hint toward this. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. But um, Jesus was the Son of God. There are many verses that, that explains even in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So you know that Jesus had an existence long before he ever came to the earth as the Son of Man. And that's why he's known as the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Son of David. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before. We'll probably have to prove that in another study because um, even the Pharisees knew what he was saying and who he was calling himself. Isaiah quoted many times about Jesus being, you know, the, well, God is the first and the last. You go to Revelation 1, they're talking about Jesus Christ. He's the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. Um, there was a verse in Exodus when they said, um, when they asked, or Moses asked, who should I say sent me? And that burning bush said, I am that I am. All right. And then when it came down to, um, Matter of fact, let's go to John 8 real quick. I don't want you guys to think I'm crazy. Jesus and like God differentiating them has been a very like The word difficult. became flesh, so it was the word before right. it became. So it's just another part of the same thing. Right, exactly. So it had to be like begets like. So exactly. in order for him to become flesh, he had to already be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But many, most times when they mention the Old Testament, John 8. John 8, 44, because the reason I want to make this point is because, you know, I uh, want to show that Jesus was there, even though you understand that just by explaining John, but he, um, let's see, should I go to, okay, let's start at 45. John 8 and 45. Everybody there? Yes. All right. No, 44, sorry. <laughs> ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words, uh, and therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So you got to be of God to understand who Jesus is. And if you don't, then you're not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I am not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do this, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. Uh, there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. <laughs> now he's speaking the truth, and they're calling him crazy. Abraham is dead, and the prophets... And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Uh, art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? 
and the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, uh, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be like a liar. I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. Now look at verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not even fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. So he was letting them know that he was that burning bush, that they didn't know who he was. When he came and spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, he was that burning bush, mm -hmm. you know, representing the Father. Uh, this is my favorite part, 59. Uh, then they, I mean, then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So this, I mean, in so many words, you're looking at it in the old Quaker English, but Jesus basically vanished in front of them and walked out through them. Listen to what he says. And he took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. How do you go through the middle of something if you hid? It doesn't make a lot of sense unless you understand it supernaturally. It was almost like he became invisible, you know, and walked out through them. Yeah, awesome. So that's the point I wanted to make. There are many examples proving that Jesus was the God of the Old Testament. He's not the Father, no. Okay, there, there's a distinction between the two. But Jesus was, when they mention Lord, most of the time they're talking of Jesus Christ. That, and I know that sounds crazy. You guys read, you can write this down. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 16. It'll tell you that he was in um, Isaiah 9 and 6. They even talk about who Jesus Christ is. So you got Isaiah 9 and verse 6. And then you have uh, 1 Timothy 3 and 16. And there's many more examples, but... Let's get into the lesson. So back to Genesis 18. So I believe when he said Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad, then obviously Abraham had to see Jesus Christ while he was alive. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. All he right. was letting them know who he, who he was, who he is, because he said, I am. It's like, hello. Right. <laughs> only That's something only God can say, I am. All right, so... All right, so Abraham stood before the Lord, and Abraham, this is verse 23, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous uh, with the wicked? Peradventure, like the Lord saying, perhaps, there be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? All right, so he's asking the Lord, if, I, if you can find 50 good people in this city, Will you not destroy it? Because Abraham knows that his nephew Lot is there. Okay. And um, the Lord said, okay, if you can find 50, I'll save the city. If there's 50 righteous, the number gets down to 10, I believe, then it's one or whatever. But either way, the Lord was going to make good on his promise. So uh, we go down to Genesis 19, uh, verse 1, and it says, And there came two angels to Sodom. Uh, at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, 
And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself uh, with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, uh, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. So Lot, understanding how bad this city is, recognized that there were angels, wanted to service them, wanted to take them into his home, wash their feet, feed them. But, um, you know, they're saying no. The Lord sent us on assignment. We're going to come down here and see what's going on here. So they wanted to stay in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned uh, in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. So this even tells you angels can eat. Verse 4, But before they lay down, the men of the city, even, of, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, like they went around the house, both old and young, all the people of every quarter. Okay, so this was a town of old and young that were unrighteous, that were wicked. Um, let's hold it here. I want to read something, guys, because I think you guys understand what I'm getting ready to get into. You know, um, this is a guy. This was written in 1987. It's a guy named uh, Michael Swift. Um, you guys can look him up and you can write it down. Michael Swift. This is called The Gay Manifesto 1987. Okay. On Tuesday, a federal appeals court said it was going to ignore We the People by declaring it will not uh, re rehear arguments on California's Proposition 8 meaning the final word on the constitutionality of the state's ban on homosexual marriage will likely come from the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, where Elena Kagan, who was known for queerifying Harvard, uh, sits shamelessly on the bench. Can you say uh, the fox in the chicken coop? All right, I want to get down to what he says. This is Michael Swift, and it's called The Homosexual Manifesto. I'm just going to read two paragraphs. We shall sodomize your sons, emblems on your uh, feeble masculinity, of your shallow dreams and vulgar lies. We shall seduce them in your schools, in your dormitories, in your gymnasiums, in your locker rooms, in your sports arenas, in your seminaries, in your youth groups, in your movie theater bathrooms, in your army bunkhouses, in your truck stops, in all... I mean, in your all-male clubs, in your houses of Congress, wherever men are with other men, uh, your sons shall become our minions to do our bidding. They will be recast in our image. They will come to crave and adore us. Now, I want to make a quick point. This guy was a big part of the movement that went on. When he said this in 1987, there were no laws that supported anything with the homosexual agenda. All right. As far as schools were concerned, it says in your seminaries, it's a wonder today why a lot of pastors go into seminary and they come out and they'll never bring this subject up. I mean, when you talk about schools, you know, their bathrooms are now being placed together. No boys, no girls. Everything is going to be together. Dormitories, you know, it's big in college. 
you know, sports, athletes, and all that. Um, you know, it's just a point that he brought this up. And in 1987, this would have been unthinkable. You know, there were no uh, states, I believe, that signed on the marriages or anything like that up until now. Okay, so, but he says that they will be even in Congress. So who do you think is passing laws to make this sort of thing happen? All right, there's a reason I'm bringing this up. I'm not preaching hate or anything, but this is what it says for the women. You cry for freedom. You say you are no longer satisfied with men. They make you unhappy. Uh, we of the masculine face, uh, the masculine physique, shall take your men from, from you then. We will amuse them. We will instruct them. We will embrace them with, uh, when they weep. Women, you say, you say you wish to live uh, with each other instead of men. Then go to be uh, with each other. We shall give your men pleasures. They have never known because we are foremost men too. And only one man knows how to truly pleasure another man. Only one man can understand the depth and feeling, the mind and the body of another man. All laws banned homosexual activity will be revoked. Instead, legislation shall be passed which engenders love between men. And it goes on and on, but I wanted to read that point because we're going into a really key point. So this guy made good on his promise. He understood maybe something most people didn't. He foresaw the future. Perhaps he had political ties. Perhaps he knew what the agenda was. But either way, it's playing out today. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, all right. So we got the house was roundabout with both old and young. So we understand. And I want to say this. It's not about any particular person. There's a spirit behind every single thing we do. There's a spirit behind lying. There's a spirit behind fornication. There's a spirit behind being slothful, you know, lazy. There are spirits behind every single thing that we do. So this is not about attacking homosexuals. This is about explaining that a homosexuality is only an issue based on a bigger issue, which is man's sin that only Jesus Christ can redeem and set right. That's right. Okay, so it says, uh, back to verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Okay, so it's an interesting word. If you look this up in the Hebrew, you guys can write it down. But the word no here means yada. It's Y-A-W-A. -A. That no means, well, if you go to Genesis um, 4, it says Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Okay, she had she had sons or, you know, or daughters or whatever. So that word no for yada means to be intimate with. It doesn't mean shaking your hand, how you doing, um, such and such. These men wanted Lot to bring these angels out of their house that they may know them. Now, if it was both old and young that wanted to get into this city, I mean, wanted to come into this house to know those angels, then that means that that spirit, okay, was throughout everybody, almost what you see today. Maybe not a whole city, but you notice that the spirit, they're getting younger and younger, desiring the same thing before they even experience life. They're sucked into this. 
Okay, so it says that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. So Lot knew that this was wrong. These two, these uh, city wanted to sodomize the angels. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. So this guy Lot was willing to offer his two daughters. So a lot of people try and, you know, make this subject be different than what it is. They believe they just wanted to know them, get drunk, whatever. He makes clear here, one, don't do so wickedly. Two, I have two daughters. So obviously he understood he was trying to divert them from what they really wanted. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, he said they come under his roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came uh, near to break the door. Another key point. Um, so they didn't want to listen to Lot. They even threatened to do this to Lot because Lot said that, you know, not to do wickedly, just take the angels. So this is a militant group that wanted to take control. They already had the whole city. That wasn't enough for them. They had to get these two new people that came in that only came to see what the Lord told them to do. Okay, so when you look at this, I mean, this is a reflection of kind of what you're seeing now. Okay, I believe personally that this is a spirit of takeover. This is not a spirit of peacefully coexisting. Why I say that is, is because if it was about peacefully coexisting, then why are Christians being persecuted for standing up for Jesus Christ to say, my Lord says that it's wicked, so I'm not going for it. So they're violating your religious beliefs, your right to have your God to accommodate a spirit that can really do whatever it wants. If you want to get married, you can go down to the justice of peace. You don't have to go into a Christian church where you know that you're going to be rejected. So what, they, what they're trying to do is take away the spirit of Christ off the scene to have man live as wild and as unruly as possible. If that isn't so, then why are they putting bathrooms together? Why are they violating your children and other people? They're making them come together, little boys and girls. You know, what about those women that are um, people that, you know, they'll go and use the bathroom and you might have a man who's not really that way dress up as the woman so he can go into the bathroom and do something to her. So, you know, there's no reason to have bathrooms put together for the sake of um, equality, because if anything, then they should have a bathroom for them. OK, you want a bathroom? We'll build you one. No man or no woman could go into it. All cross-dressers or those who are of that lifestyle, you can use this one. Mm -hmm. So what is the goal that you think is really happening, what they're trying to do? I'll tell you what it is, and we're going to go further into it, but they're trying to it's about turning the image of God into this. Have you guys seen this before? Yeah. Because most of Hollywood gets into this. You can pass it around. 
Most of Hollywood believes in this thing. That's Baphomet. That's Baphomet. But if you look at the Baphomet goat, it has breast of a female. It has, you know, male phallus, a male symbol. It has all these things, but it's part human. It's part animal. The reason why I say it's part human is part animal. Right, and the hand up and the hand down. One means as above, so below. We did a whole study on that we have on the website, but the point is, is they're getting ready to pass a law for bestiality. Okay, uh, they're about to make it. It's illegal in like a lot of the states. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So that's the whole point. This is what they're trying to do to the image of God. This is why they want to cover people from head to toe in tattoos. This is why they're into body mutilation. Satan wants to do this. He wants to turn you into a freak. Look at Caitlyn Jenner. You know, that's not something God created. That's, that's a mind gone lost without Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Well, they have non-binary now. Yeah. Yeah. They turned it. They turned it. They keep switching the way it said. Like transgender is mm -hmm. nothing more than a crossdresser, but they make a nicer way to say it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Absolutely. not like they're gay. At least gay people say, "Hey, I'm orientated this way. I'm right. like guys." But mm -hmm. now they're trying to just like. Make it Put it all together. Word played, mm -hmm. which is how law is made. And, you know. That's right, because if man and woman were, were made in the image of God, this is nothing like the image of God, but this is where it's all headed. That's why soon you will be seen like a freak if you don't mutilate your body. Yeah. If you're not covered from head to toe, you are going to be seen as the odd man out. Okay, so this is a militant spirit. You know, they're there to try and take Lot out. You know, they want those two angels. Okay, so they said, stand back or they will break the door. Now, this spirit, if people don't believe it's that way, go into the prison system. It's not because a man can't do certain things with a woman is why he's like that. It's that spirit that wants takeover. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to take it. What did Michael Swift say? What we're going to do to your children, to your men and women. So this is a predator spirit. All right, so verse uh, 10. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut uh, to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they worried, they wearied themselves to find the door. Now, these angels, these guys tried to break in on the angels. The angels pulled Lot into the house. They smote the men. These were powerful angels with blindness. And these men still attempted to find the door. They wearied themselves still pulling for the door. Now, you got old and young like this. So this is a spirit, man, that's extremely aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen the law pass so, so quickly for a people as this. I mean, when they decided to roll, this thing just rolled over everything. And it's still going. All right, so they smoked them with blindness. These guys are still trying to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law uh, and uh, thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in this city, bring them out of this place. Um, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, 
Go up you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. So his sons-in-law uh, mocked him. Now notice Lot said earlier in this chapter that he had two daughters that had not known a man. Mm-hmm. He just said he had two sons-in-law here. Okay, so they have not known a man, not even their own husbands. What do you think is up with the sons-in-law? Been you know, you guys ever heard of beards? You ever heard of, they do this in Hollywood all the time. You'll have a man who is gay, will marry a woman. They won't have any interaction like that. But you're going to make me look like I'm not gay. You, I'll pay you this amount for five years. We'll stay together. I'll get divorced and find someone else. But they're, they're supposedly married. But it's really to not appear that way in the public eye. So this is pretty much what Lot's uh, son-in-law, sons-in-law were. They had not known a man, and he said, let's go. And they mocked Lot, and they wanted to stay. And when the morning arose, this is verse 15, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, so Lot is lingering. He knows that the Lord says he's going to destroy it. But now he's lingering as if he doesn't want to go. Uh, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon his, and upon the hand of his wife and upon uh, the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them, unto him, and then brought them forth and set him without the city. So they brought him out of the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad uh, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto him, unto them, O not so, my lord, behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shewed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, let some evil take me, and I, and I die. So Lot didn't even want to go, considering all this stuff was going on. The only reason the Lord wanted to save Lot was because Abraham, you know, he interceded for him. Like, this is the only reason. The Lord was close with Abraham, and he interceded for Lot to get him out of the city. Now, Lot, knowing all these things, didn't even want to go. Hold where you are. Let's go to um, 2 Peter chapter 2, because I'm going to explain. Well, the Bible's going to explain why Lot didn't want to leave. Second Peter chapter 2 is all the way at the back. It's near Revelation. You guys may as well give it a number when you get to it. That'll help. They used to do it for each other all the time, so... Yeah. <laughs> It is yeah. small, but it's it's packed with so much information. Oh, yeah. We did a study on Peter, um, you know, on the website. All right, so Second Peter two, uh, verse six, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Mm-hmm. So Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed as an example. You know, for those who lived ungodly, the Lord was trying to warn. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, 
for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day in their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Okay, so we understand here that Lot's soul, Lot was a righteous man, you know, for the Lord. We can go back to um, Genesis 19. Lot was a righteous man for the Lord, okay? The fact that Lot lived in that city and interacted with them changed who Lot was. You know, Christina and I were talking about this earlier today. You know, it's funny how we get off the path, we start getting in certain circles. Jake and I talked about it, Sarah and I have, where you just find yourself drifting to be just like the people that you are around. Yeah. Your flesh will never like Jesus. That's why it takes the Spirit of God, you know, to connect with Him. Because if you live in your flesh, you have a world-conscious mind. If you live in your soul, you have a self-conscious mind. And if you live in your spirit, you have a God-conscious mind. And that's the difference between regret you might have when you experience the world. Remorse is what you have when you feel you've done to someone or yourself. And then you have repentance, which is God-conscious, which is the real spiritual connection because you recognize that it's the Lord that you've hurt. So the Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? We know that just being in the company the Bible's explaining here kind of made them corrupted. Yeah. Good point, though, and that, that's why this is happening in the churches. Satan doesn't want you going anywhere where you can connect with the Lord. He wants this hostile takeover to be everywhere, and it's in the churches now, too. There's like false churches. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. They argue over like petty things, like petty interpretations of the same verse. Exactly. <laughs> it's like we're supposed to be, you know, the body of Christ and not be separated. Mm -hmm. but, you know, that exactly. Absolutely. We can, uh, we can have an academic discussion about whether <laughs> this interpretation of that, but shouldn't mm -hmm. separate us from each other. That's Absolutely, but you see, the enemy knew that in, in order to do this, Michael Swift said we would go into the seminaries. Yeah. It's no wonder pastors don't talk about this. It's no wonder they're afraid to even go there. Some of them are not afraid. They just, hey, I'm one too. I just don't want anybody to know it. His wife right here, mine is my beard. If you don't think that that spirit runs most of the churches, man, you are sorely mistaken. Mm -hmm. Jesus said that the gate is narrow and the way is narrow. He said, few there would be that find the way. So you know that these large institutions can't all be right. There's not 5,000 born-again believers in a building. Jesus said the way is narrow. So you know the majority of people there don't know Jesus Christ. And that's in every circle. You want to say something? Oh, that, that was it. Oh, that oh was okay. like, you know, it's, it's going to be small groups like this. We're really going to find yeah, a relationship the with Jesus Christ. Man, even with this group, because, you know, there's quite a few of us. We love the Lord and everything. But I think that if times were to get rough, you'd be surprised who'd walk out. You know, and I'm only going to be realistic. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying anything about us. I love us all as a group. But, you know, if Jesus said the way is narrow and the church is, um, you know, already plagued, what makes you think that that spirit won't come here? To do the exact same thing, you know. There's going to be a few that are going to want the Lord. You have to expect it to try. Good things are happening. Absolutely, that's true. Yeah, we're going to give it our all, you know. But one thing we will present is the truth. We don't back away from it because I think when the church went to sleep, that's when the world woke up, you know, to the to sin and everything else. When the church, I mean, I grew up in churches. They were preaching hard fire. 
you know, and brimstone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. You know, you do this, you'll go to hell. And blah, blah, blah. It's funny, though, because even atheists are realizing that the stuff that's going on in this world is just messed up, Mm -hmm. like, not right, Mm -hmm. consciously. So people that don't even believe God are like, man, this is messed up. (laughs) Exactly. But see, all they need... It's waking people up. Absolutely. All they need is the idea to tie it all together. That's what they're lacking, you know. They understand there's something wrong, but they're trying to solve a spiritual problem politically and it just doesn't work out you know the the problem is much deeper you know you don't give people chemo to burn up the body you give it to remove the cancer but if you miss out on the cancer you burn up the body you know and you leave the cancer alone but we have a much bigger issue all right so anyway back to the subject uh let's see so lot doesn't believe the lord's gonna kill him if he stays there you know, it's one of those things where he wanted to stay because he had been messed up. This can happen. That's why the devil amalgamated, you know, um, homosexuals on TV. This is why all you're seeing on TV now are homosexual shows. Why? Because the devil wants you to fall in love with this idea. A lot of people won't come to Christ. A lot of Christians have rejected Christ because they have a friend who is gay. And they don't want to believe that the Lord will do, will, you know, send one of their friends to hell. They want the Lord to take them as they are. And my thing is, is this, you can love the person, but truth void of, or well, love void of truth is evil. If I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to have you feeling good about yourself, knowing where your destiny is going to be. So the devil was no fool. He brought it all together. He put everyone together like this. So that way you would find someone very close to you that will make your soul not want to obey God. You know, a lot of people live in their souls. They live in their emotions. We did a good study on emotions. I think Devin was here for that one. But your emotions are things that build strongholds, which give you feelings about a particular thing. You know, if I have a gay family member, then it's, you know what, I don't want to believe that the Lord will do this. So the way I start to feel, the stronghold that gets built up in me is I don't want to believe that God would do that because I believe he's a God of love. So I'm going to side with my friend, and I know the Lord would be okay with it. You know, and this is what's happening wherever you go. All right. For deception. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Jesus says that anyone who loves father or mother, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's in Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 32 through 36. Okay, so Jesus understands that, you know, everybody's not going to come along for the ride. But what's really in the core of man, like I said, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. It's not about your blood relatives and things. Of course, the Lord wants you to love them and take care of them. But the bigger problem is if your family goes against Christ, will you? You know, you have to say, hey, I love you and I'll pray for you, but I can't go over there. You know, my place is here. You have to surround yourself with good people if you're around people who are going against Christ with your spirit family. They're not truly good. Absolutely. She hit the nail right on the head. It's so true. All right, so verse 20, and then we'll go into something else. It says, behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. (laughs) Uh, Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing, 
also that I will not overthrow this city uh, for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither. <laughs> these, these words, thither. <laughs> I mean, escape there, you may as well say. Well, thither, Jake. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for I cannot do uh, anything till thou come there, pretty much. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar, because Zoar means little in Hebrew. Uh, the sun was risen upon the earth, and Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord reigned upon Sodom, upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham, uh, well, I just want to stop it right there. So she became a pillar of salt. The reason why the Lord fixed her in that position, we got to understand too, salt itself is a preservative. Her heart was in Sodom and Gomorrah, even when she left. And that's why Jesus says, where your treasures are, there will, there will your heart be also. If your treasures are on earth, if your treasures, like uh, Christina said, are with the people who don't even like God, where do you think your heart's going to be? So the Lord told them don't look back because looking back or turning back is like a type of rebellion, you know, going against the Lord. That's why, um, matter of fact, we're going to go to something else now, but let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. I just want to make one quick point on this. So she looked back, you know, because her heart was really there. Lot's heart was there, too. If the angels didn't pull Lot out of the house, Lot would have stayed there thinking they were kidding around. 1,800? A lot of pages in that book. Right. Can I make a, a, a real quick, quick, extremely quick point? Yeah, good. Um, so being, myself being in the military, and I was in for a few years, um, the homosexual spirit had been in there for a while when I was there. But it was never technically legalized up until about five or six years ago, I think it was. And um, when they did legalize it, one of my closest friends at the time, you know, her her husband, and they, they're Christians, and he was just all up in arms about it. Now, all the branches except for one decided to legalize it, and the one that didn't was the Marines. And the, the Marine Major said, absolutely not. And they moved him out of power. Yeah, because they knew what that did. Uh, uh, they actually just legalized transgenderism in the military now, too. That's where I thought it was like in the last week or two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was on the news. Yeah. They're just rolling yeah. with this in the last six months. Yeah, it's a takeover. And yeah. I'll tell you what, um, that spirit, when you see that spirit broad and bold and on the scene, that is the surest sign of God's judgment against the, against the place. Yeah. America is going to be judged because it will not repent and back off from what it's doing. The Lord is going to take care of the righteous, so we don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. But it's unfortunate that there are certain things that are going to have to happen because this spirit is that bold. The Lord's not going to let this happen. If he says, I am the Lord thy God and I change not, then that means that what he did then, he will do again. Yep. All right, so, um, so it's uh, Hebrews 10, and we'll start at 35. Hebrews 10.35 It says, 
Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. So you're not supposed to, you know, get rid of your confidence, which, you know, going for the faith, going for what you know, trying to get into the kingdom. Don't let anyone take that away or lose your confidence. 36. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done uh, the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So this is what I'm talking about, the once saved, always saved crowd. They believe that once you get saved, you're always saved. But Paul here is speaking of needing to do things. He says in 36, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So you have to fight for the faith. You have to fight your way in. You have to stay under the protection of the Lord to do what the Lord calls you to do. I can be, you know, a Christian for 30 years. I can go right back out into the world, forget about God. And you know what? That's my free will to do so. I have that right. I have a right to go to hell. I have a right to not follow the Lord and go where I want. If God controls you, then that would make him evil. So he gives you a free will. Real love is free. Mm -hmm. You know, I want you to be with me. I'm going to show you why you should. But if you shouldn't want to, I can't make you do it. You know, it's understanding who he is that gives you the love to want to follow him. I don't have to be made to do right. I want to do right. My nature is now like Christ that I think like him and I want to be like him. Mm -hmm. All right, 37. For yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but with any man... Oh, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, unto destruction, but of them uh, that believe to the saving of the soul. So you understand here that that's why his wife was turned into a pillar of salt. She wanted to be in Sodom and Gomorrah. So the Lord is going to give you exactly what you want, if that's what you want. She loved the city. That's what she wanted to be a part of. So, you know, it's unfortunate. But if the Lord gives you a commandment not to turn back, then he's telling you that for a big reason. She was following her flesh. Exactly. And not following the spirit. Mm -hmm. Man, some people just know it. Just pick it up right away. <laughs> some people you can talk There's to. There's so much I don't know, though. <laughs> but you get it, though. We're all, you know? we're all that way. She's living in the carnal mind. And so oh, man. Crazy. Look at this. <laughs> He's mentioning the carnal mind. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we YouTube is your friend. <laughs> that's right. Sensual. And you know what? Yeah. I've learned more of YouTube than I've ever learned in a that's, church. That's pretty much what I listen to. <laughs> hey, man, keep listening. Yeah. Seriously. That's where it is. I came out of that same school having good pastors that I've heard and those that I've called and interacted with. I've learned so much about the mm -hmm. word that I was not getting in church. It just wasn't happening. All right, where did I say go? Leviticus 18. You were going to say something? Yeah, I think a lot of like Christians are like clicking into the same level, though. And like a lot of, we're talking about a lot of the same things now. Not like necessarily at churches, but mm -hmm. people that are actually like doing this or like talking on YouTube and doing their own thing. Right. They're all starting to go with the same messages. It's true. Trigger words because this is what we're dealing with, you know, in this time. You know, mm -hmm. In these times. You're absolutely right. All right, we'll start at verse 20. Leviticus 18 and 20. And it says, 
Moreover, shalt thou not lie carnally? Well, I should wait for this because you want to know what carnally is. <laughs> well, he pretty much said what you said. You said it's the flesh. He it's said it's carnal. Flesh, yeah. Right. Thinking with the flesh. Right. So it says in verse 20, moreover. Right. The carnal mind. We actually have a study on that called the curse of the carnal mind or carnal mind versus the spiritual mind. And it says, moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself, thyself with her, and thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Moloch, neither shalt thou uh, profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. Uh, what we got to understand here, too, is Moloch is um, from the Hebrew word Moloch, which means angel. There was a fallen angel that uh, these guys built a statue to in those days called uh, Moloch. As a matter of fact... Well, I'll save that for a you know a little bit, but there was this um, this angel. You know, of course, there's a statue of an owl or a man that has um, you know the hands would be heated white hot to worship this god, this little g, you know, fallen god. They would take their children and put them on the white hot hands, these newborn babies on the white hot hands of this statue that's glowing white hot all day. The child would disintegrate, and they feel like they would have gained from it. See, abortion is not new. You know, this is something that they were doing back then. So this would be an offering, a blood sacrifice to this God. Believe it or not, abortion is a blood sacrifice to Satan. It really is. It's not, you know, what people think it is, your right to choose and, you know, all this other stuff. So uh, this is what he's saying. Mm -hmm. So this is what he's calling profane. And um, the star of Moloch, believe it or not, is the one that's over Israel. That's a star of Moloch. Where you see that six-pointed star everywhere, that's a star of Moloch. So that a good symbol or bad symbol? That's a right. bad symbol. Okay. Yeah, uh, which is actually is that, bad. Make the pentagram. That, the right, that was the fallen angel god. But they actually um, witches will make pentagrams in the floor to control demons. You know, they they work in this realm, so. It's a wicked spirit. But I said all that to go to verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down uh, thereto. It is confusion. So it brings, you know, confusion to a situation to see a human being, well, a man or woman, involved in bestiality or homosexuality. It isn't a natural thing. No matter how much people try and paint it out to be, it's not. The organs of a man accommodate the organs of a woman. You know, it can produce life. There's so many things that can come from it. You don't have to try and make it fit. It fits. But when you have this other spirit, it really can't fit. People say, well, I will adopt children or I'll do this and that. So you're going to teach them your ways that this is natural when God made men and women. You know, it's it's ridiculous. All right, so um, I'll make that point again one more time. Let's go to Leviticus 20. That's just one page over. I mean, the Lord's laying down the law here on what is righteous. It's not just homosexuality here. We just read adultery is not good. You know, there's a lot of things. So we're not picking on anybody. We're just setting what's wrong right. All right, um, we'll start at verse 12. Leviticus 20 and 12. And if a man lie with his daughter, 
disgusting, but uh, when his oh, daughter-in-law, both of them uh, shall surely be put to death. Uh, they have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, some people would say, why wouldn't the Lord just tell them to stop it? Why would the Lord allow or, or say they should be put to death? Because you have to understand in those days before uh, Jesus Christ came with the power of the Holy Ghost to be able to cast out devils, to have that grace period where man could be redeemed by the Spirit of God, man didn't have this before. So you couldn't allow a spirit like that to run rampant. Unfortunately, you know, we have, and look at what you're seeing. It's like a cancer that's spread all over, mm -hmm. and this is what people are getting into. So now we have the ability to go to spirits and cast them out. Well, that's another teaching. We, we're actually headed that way, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of gifts that the Lord gives us that we're supposed to do, and, and this is how you conquer that today. So some people would say, why was God evil to put a sentence that way? The Lord understood he was dealing with spiritual warfare. The law itself was only a schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus Christ, who would um, give us the spirit of Christ, to have the nature of Christ, and to do what he did. Okay, so, all right, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind, as he uh, lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, uh, they shall surely be put to death, their blood shall be upon them. Uh, and if a man take a wife and her mother... Uh, it is wickedness. Uh, they shall be burned with fire. So the Lord is addressing all things here. He's speaking of incest. He's speaking of homosexuality. He spoke of bestiality. He spoke of adultery. He's talking all things that are wrong. Because if anybody's engaging in that stuff, to me, you know, we're no different than the homosexual if that's what we're doing. That's why the Lord said, judge not lest ye be judged. Because if you're involved in the same type of incest and other things that they're doing, how can you tell them, well, homosexuality is wrong and, and incest is okay? It's not okay. You know, the Lord is not a respecter of persons. There are things that need to be fixed with us all. Mm -hmm. So we're not condemning them, but we're, I'm addressing this issue, one, because it's taken over the whole Christian church and going after the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Two, you know, I'm not engaged in any of that stuff, so I can speak on the issue. You know, I feel like it's my duty or whoever's duty that knows the truth about this. Uh, Isaiah 13, I mean, Isaiah 3. And then we're going to get into where it comes from, how it actually begins. I have papers here that will even state that they were not born that way. Okay, you have scientists speaking of this because that's another lie that the world tries to promote. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's cool. We have time to repent. It doesn't mean if you did it. See, that was the past where, where if it was going on, it had to be dealt with right yeah. then and there so it yeah. wouldn't spread. But now we do have the grace in Jesus Christ through his love that he can. Hey, I've led many to the Lord that recognize that it was wrong. I met some that makes it, you know, they'll make it clear. Hey, this is me. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. 
I'm like, hey, I'll pray for you, but, you know, this isn't going to be good. And they don't tell you that, you know, 90% of them, 95% of them were molested as children Mm -hmm. is where that spirit comes in. See, they leave that part out completely. A lot of people don't understand what's bothering them. And we did a a study on transferring spirits, how things can happen to us through abuse that will bring in spirits to us to keep us from doing what the Lord calls us to do. Yeah. I actually knew a young woman when I was in the Navy who, um, growing up, she never knew her father. She said that he was some test tube kind of thing. Her mom was in and out of jail her entire life. The guys that she dated when she was in the military were all older men. So it was like she was looking for that father figure that she never had. When none of that worked out, she became a lesbian. And that's what she is today. And she doesn't see, looking back, mm-hmm. where it all began. Because she's blocked off that window of time. She can't see that. She's like, well, that's just how I've always supposed to be. No, it wasn't. You have to deal with that trauma. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you... Exactly. All right, now this is a talk of the last days. This is Isaac. Huh? Which is oh. Satan winning, though. Like, mm-hmm. using that against her, you know? Absolutely. He'll play on that, and it's unfortunate because we understand a lot of this stuff. We're going to be laying hands on the sick um, in a few weeks at, you know, hospitals and things, you know, and praying for people and all. So, you know, there's always work to do, and we have the chance there to win people to the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, through using the gifts of the Spirit. All right, um, Isaiah 3, verse 1. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah uh, to stay and... Oh, the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. So because Jerusalem and Judah, which were twin, you know, places, it's all Jerusalem, but they um, started believing in other gods, started following Moloch, started following the gods of the Philistines and all these other groups that the Lord said, okay, I'm going to take away your bread, your water, you know, all the things that I once supported you guys to have i'm now taking off the scene it's no wonder why this economy is collapsing like it is when you don't follow the lord you're going to find how many people out of work all these things happening to people because you're not following him so how he once blessed this nation he's now condemning it you know because we're not living right the mighty man now how many of them are left around and the man of war, the judge, and the prophet, and the prudent, and the ancient. So this is going to affect all people on all levels. The captain of 50, and the honorable man, and the counselor. So now this is even like the school people, you know, the education system, and the cunning artificer, you know, uh, and the eloquent orator. Okay, so all the good-speaking people, This thing is going to hit society just from disobedience. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. This is what you see today. You catch a lot of people like, um, you know, John Olstein was really a good man for the Lord. Joel Olstein's dad. This man preached the real gospel. He built the ministry. He understood the truth. Now that he's gone, he has his son, Joel Olstein, you know, Opie Taylor in the pulpit. Young God doesn't know what he's doing, you know, preaching all kinds of nonsense that's not true. But Joe Osteen speaks to your senses, your pleasure centers. 
He makes you feel good about yourself, but he's teaching you garbage. None of it ever applies to the gospel. He twists so much scripture with things that's not important. Um, you can look up a full study on Joe Osteen, but this guy's a false prophet. But he's making, you know, super millions because... He has house. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It probably it's looks ridiculous. like a... Yeah, it's, wow. It's ridiculous. Now how can you be a servant of the people when you're living in a mansion? It's, it's a ridiculous mansion. <laughs> like, I couldn't even imagine living there. Well, he doesn't even have a church. He has a um, pretty much a stadium. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. church is huge. It's, yeah, it used to be a stadium, like a professional mm -hmm. stadium. Yep. That he got. $93 million. Yeah. I didn't know you need that to preach the Lord's word, but... <laughs> <laughs> so it says that children will be put in positions of authority. Babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. This is what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. Come on, guys. We're seeing this wherever you go. Yeah. Children have no respect for grown-ups today. Nope. Old people. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good example. And Jake works with them. You're yeah. right. It's it's everywhere. And the base against the honorable. So it's going to be like the bad people against the good. When a man shall take hold of his brother of a house of his father, saying, uh, Thou hast clothing, be thou uh, our ruler, and let us ruin, and let this ruin be under thy hand. So in other words, these are people that are passing the buck. No one wants to do God's will. No one wants to do the righteous things. Mm -hmm. They're passing it on to other people. And um, let's see. Okay, uh, verse 8, right? Seven. Seven? Yeah. Oh, in that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be in healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. So this is what we were just talking about. No one wants to be accountable. No one wants to do right. That's your business. This is mine. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the way it is. And then it says, uh, for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The reason why I'm talking about Judah and Jerusalem is because we can learn a lot from them. They were really the first disobedient people before God as a people. Now, Adam and Eve did their thing, but Jerusalem, no matter what the Lord tried to show them, bringing them out of Egypt, trying to change their ways, they would not do it. You know, Moses went there, Pharaoh, let my people go. Now you got to tell the people to let Pharaoh go because they want to be a part of this whole thing. Yeah. Totally against God. So now you got to pull them off of Pharaoh. He's standing there with his bro, hands. Let like, it go, bro. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Just come over here. <laughs> exactly. So they're provoking the Lord through their disobedience. Verse 9. Uh, the shoe of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as what? Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. And that's why you'll read when we'll go into Romans 1, it talks about how they'll meet that recompense of their error, of the things that they're doing. So Sodom became their issue here too. At the base of everything that's going on here, mm -hmm. that that spirit sprang up again. Isn't it funny how we meet everything on this list, including what we just spoke about? Mm -hmm. The fact that they, they don't hide their sin of Sodom. People are proud of it. Hey, I'm gay and I'm proud. You know, they march, you know, through the streets, no fear of God whatsoever. Absolutely. Uh, 
like a homosexual pride yep. month. Mm-hmm. And then someone started a hashtag like uh, proud to be heterose- heterosexual and then like everyone going all crazy because, oh, yeah. because people are like proud to be straight. It's exactly. such a contradiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you want equality but you don't want us to be happy about ourselves. Just Exactly. You know? Exactly. Verse 10. <laughs> and it says, Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him uh, for they shall eat the fruit of their doing. So the Lord is saying to the righteous, don't worry about it. You know, even with all of this, even with what I must do, the righteous in him are going to be okay. And then it says in verse 11, Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. So whatever it is, you make your bed, you'll sleep in it. Verse 12, as for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to error, like err, and destroy the way of thy paths. So what we're seeing now, too, is, and this is not speaking against women, but it's also speaking against, at the end times, that while this spirit is ruling, you're going to see more women dominant over the men. The men are going to be pushed down. The women are going to be raised up. Why? Because this is taking everything outside of the order of God. I'm not saying women can't be big things in life. Of course, you want to do something, do it. That's fine. But when you try and compare yourself to a man to say you're greater than he, anything you can do, I can do better, you know, then then there is an issue there because you're trying to dominate the structure that the Lord set up. Mm -hmm. There are places for women. There are places for men. One is not beneath the other. They both have roles in the Lord. The, the God put the man as a spiritual head of the home. It doesn't mean he's supposed to be a dictator. It doesn't mean he's supposed to, you know, give them a hard time. He's supposed to love his wife, take care of his wife, love his children, and, you know, obey the word of the Lord. So that's what's really added. There was something else I saw. Um, I think it's over here, but it spoke of... Uh, it's probably in here, but I'll just tell you guys. It spoke of, you know, ma- a matriarchal society that everything's changing. Hillary Clinton running for president, guys. Don't be fooled. She will be president, oh, yeah. okay? But it's not because it's a woman's right. It's to show the world that the most powerful person in this world can be a woman. Now let's go back to Isaiah 12. Listen to what it says. Isaiah 3 and 12. As for my people. Children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to error, and destroy the way of thy paths. So the Lord is not even for a woman leading, you know, a nation, or or standing over a bunch of men. They cause error behind this. Why? Because the Lord is not going to support that. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's not that he hasn't had women in the Bible do amazing things, of course. Deborah did great things, Esther did great things, you know, uh, Phoebe, Anna the prophetess, they all did amazing things, but they were under the rulers or headship of a male, you know, every single one of them, even, um, you know, we talked about the churches uh, yesterday, and you had the um, women wanting to be pastors, that's an error, because the word in the Greek for pastor is pater, patria, father, family. A woman cannot be a father of a church. That's just God's order. So it's not pushing one down and raising one up. 
there are things that women can do that a lot of men can't. Women think out of both sides of their brains. Men can't do that. A woman could be talking to one woman here while another woman is talking to her, turn around, answer that woman, and receive the information over here where men would have to say, whoa, ho, 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 wait a minute, what'd you say? But women, they just have that, they can multitask better than men. There's lots of things that women do that men can't do. Like remember stuff from three years ago. Women are awesome. I mean, just the fact that they handle things the way that they do. I'm not speaking against women. I have a very strong mother. I have strong, you know, grandparents, you know, aunts and everything. But they themselves even understand the order that God set up. And that's just the way it is. And you know what? When those two come together, you got harmony. Yeah. She was called woman. She's out of the womb of a man. Out of the rib of man, a woman came. Adam needed, you know. To support a, a man to help yeah. them be the best they can be. Exactly. And, and in turn, he, he serves he to her. So there's no issue there. Mm -hmm. That's just like going to a restaurant. <laughs> and, you know, if you got a feminist spirit. You're in a restaurant. Now, you got the waiter asking you, what do you want to eat? And you'll tell them, he goes to get it. And you, oh, no, don't worry about it. I'll get it myself. I don't want you servicing me. I can do it myself. So it's like you'll go back there where you can't go to try and cook your food to serve yourself. All the woman, all the man wants to do, the man of God, is to service the woman of God. To, to respect her, the Bible says, give honor to her as the weaker vessel. Now, a lot of women, well, I'm not weak. Okay, you know, women can be athletes. I get that. But put the WNBA versus the NBA. Let's be real here. Who do you think's going to win that? You know, even Ronda Rousey, bad as she is, put her up against someone, a man in UFC, a real, you know, a man who can really fight, and see what plays out. We were made a particular way for that reason. Women can, you know, they can sustain pain more than men. This is just reality, you know, and how we're made. But you got a lot of women, well, I'm just as equal to a man. Anything he can do, I can do. Okay, pick up that 150-pound box and bring it in the house. You know? I mean, because we're made differently. That's just the way it is. You know, Jezebel spirit, you try and... You guys, are, I'm sure you guys have seen it where, you know, you go in, you know, there's a family gathering, and, you know, people are making plates, and the woman will turn to her husband. What do you want to eat? And what did that Jezebel spirit say? Let him get his own plate. You know, he can cook for himself. What's his problem? What's wrong with them taking care of each other? But the Jezebel spirit can't stand it. They hate to see a woman doing anything for a man. You know, so that's my point. But um, from here, let's go to... Where do I want to go? Get your own plate. Come on, guys. You've seen it. <laughs> Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. They hate that. And usually they're there with no husband or their husband is subservient <laughs> to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let him get his own play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He can cook. <laughs> Uh, is this 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians? Wait, hold on. I'm losing my mind here. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6. Sorry. And we'll start at verse 8. 
Yeah, we'll start at verse 8. And it says, Nay, ye do wrong and defraud uh, and uh, your brethren, you know, that of your brethren. So it's kind of like to take advantage of people. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Okay, so this is for all those people that think God won't do anything. He's saying, it's telling you here, be not deceived that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, uh, be not deceived, neither fornicators. Um, fornication is a big word. Fornication can be, um, you know, adultery, of course, uh, sodomy, um, masturbation. It could mean, um, what do you call the other thing? Um, yeah, it comes from the Greek word pornia. That's where you get the word pornography, but basically anything in porn, unless it's, you know, under the Lord, like marriage is supposed to be, like the Lord wants it, it's an, it's against God. Okay. Still has a, a bestiality is even in this list of yeah. pornia. Okay, so we're not supposed to be involved in that. And then it says, uh, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So what we got to understand here is it's not just a homosexual, even though you see effeminate here. There's a list of things that the Lord is, is saying, but somehow they believe the Christian is wrong and the Christian's picking on them. We're not picking on people. What makes a Christian so great is he's totally selfless. He's fighting for something greater than himself because he doesn't want to see people go to hell. That's right. But you notice all of the satanic religions, they're all about you. Mm -hmm. You know, reach higher self, go to nirvana, be this individual. Oh, you can be like God. Oh, you over here can be this. You know, uh, you can be reincarnated and become greater each time you go up. But you see how it becomes all about you? Where you have the Christian here living to live again living to win other people into the kingdom, to invite them into this marriage supper to be with Jesus Christ. So a Christian's life is so unselfish to the world. The world, it's all about you. And if you don't convert, like in some religions like Islam, they'll kill you. Okay, so how can you want them to serve their God? You know their God can't be the God of the Bible. We've done a whole study on uh, Islam too and debunking all the false religions, but... You know, so the Bible here has its list of what should be and, you know, shouldn't be. All right, so I've got to read one quick thing. Well, in the same lie that Satan propagated in the very beginning to Adam and to Eve. Absolutely, like God. You'll be like, he's still propagating today. I'm glad you brought that up because the Lord said to Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. Yeah. You know, that's when the Lord had to lay down the law. At one point, they were together, but because, you can read it for yourself in Genesis 3, mm -hmm. because Adam obeyed Eve into eating that fruit and not God, look at how the whole world fell. You know, now, it was really Adam's sin that made the world fall, because the Lord gave Adam leadership. But when Eve sinned, who knows what the Lord would have done? You know, maybe he would have redeemed her or whatever. But when Adam decided to partake in the sin, then that kind of flipped the whole world upside down, and it belonged to Satan at that point. Yeah. Just out of another point, because like you, 
When it um, says Adam became sin? He didn't, he wasn't God conscious at that point. He was self conscious because he decided to, in his own carnal mind, try and save his wife instead of seeking the Lord. And what's so um, ironic about yeah. Uh, and it's so ironic about that story is that Adam and Jesus have a lot in common. Adam, like Christ, and I'm not condemning anything, I'm not condoning anything they did, but Adam became sin. Okay? He didn't want to lose his wife. His bride fell, just like we have fallen. You know, Adam came and became sin to try and redeem Eve. Now, of course, he didn't do it, but, but Jesus did the exact same thing. For his bride, mm -hmm. he, a man who knew no sin became sin to redeem us, you know. And if it wasn't for him coming in the flesh, taking that fall, switching our genetic code, having the righteousness of God, there's no way we would have been saved. That was an act of God. I don't know if you guys get what I'm saying or not, or am I confusing you? Like, well, what is he talking about? <laughs> Interesting, because disobedience was the first sin. Mm-hmm. Cascade there. Just not listening to your mm -hmm. supposed to be doing. Just not harkening unto the Lord. You're right. Yeah. All right. This is called homosexuality um, existence. Where did it come from and how did it start? This person doesn't go into how it started. I do have information on it. I'm debating or not whether I should talk about it because someone's trying to debunk it. And this was all the information I could find. But this man actually said it came way before back in the flood. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Genesis 6 giants, you know, but they claim that those giants, when earth men or earth women made it with giants, I mean, and I believe the story, the Bible says it, it's true, there's giant skeletons found, you find some in the earth. It's the Canaanites sort of the group. Absolutely. Like kill off them. There you and go. People associate, like, there's a genetic alter, alter mm -hmm. that happened. Mm -hmm. God didn't like it, so that's another reason he flooded the planet. Absolutely. The Man, you love our study on giants, but you've <laughs> yeah. done your homework. This guy <laughs> knows what he's talking about. Hey, you know, but a lot of people won't go there because they feel, oh, that's crazy. Well, how can you believe, not believe that part of the Bible, but then you believe Jesus died and resurrected? You gotta it's believe also, in the supernatural. The giants are in almost every culture too. It's not just yeah. that's right. The Bible. That's right. <laughs> so oh like, man, gotta, I'm gonna send this study to you. You're gonna love this. Right. across the planet. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Absolutely. So hey, you're on point. He knows what's mm -hmm. up. So. All right. So it says, where did it come from and how did it start? I like this person's perspective, not because they're bashing, but it makes so much sense. Let's face it, homosexuality did not just pop up out of nowhere. It started from somewhere, but where? And how did it start such a sexually, I mean, sexuality like homosexual come to existence? Homosexuality constitutes a parasitic relationship with society. Homosexuals consume resources while performing uh, none, of the uh, none of the necessary obligations of an organism within a species, um, a species of reproduction, uh, homosexuality's existence is a threat to the continued existence of the human race and must be dealt with appropriately. While I'm unsure of the nature of genetic curses and whether homosexuality is a genetic condition at all, it seems to be the most prudent first step as farthest uh, I know homosexuality was discovered uh, in couple centuries ago 
this guy is like probably typed it wrong, but it says, in a couple centuries ago, the first trace of homosexuality was in Rome. It goes back well before then. Because the Spartans themselves, you know, the 300 and these other groups, they believed in homosexuality to where they would sodomize one another to strengthen the brotherhood that they would fight together and be one force. I kid you not. Look up the history on the Spartans and homosexuality. Alexander the Great was homosexual. Nobody, you know, that's clear. Julius Caesar from Rome was homosexual. So it's been around. Um, okay, so it says from Rome, when some man figured he can get sex from his gender. Now, I know humans have sex for pleasure. Uh, now, where did homosexuality come from? How did others become homosexual? The, sec the sexuality of homosexuality didn't exist until a couple centuries ago. So how did it pass on to others? Surely there is no homosexuality gene because, uh, well, the genes will uh, fade away due to not reproducing. Now, that's very true. If you can't pass on, okay, to the next life being homosexual, then how do your genetic code come and interrupts anyone else's? So you know it's not something medical, it's spiritual. That's the only thing that can pass on from one to another. But, you know, it's not, he's wrong as far as all this other stuff he's writing about Rome. This guy doesn't even understand the Bible or how far it goes back way before Rome. But the point he makes is it's a parasitic relationship with society. It's true. You can't produce life. You consume resources. You want all these things, but you're not contributing one bit. There's nothing that you're doing to help other than to destroy mankind. So what do you think, what do you guys think Satan is really after if he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth? What do you think is really going on? Someone wants to depopulate the earth. Why make little, you know, more people that I don't even like? So that's the real point behind the spirit to stop reproduction, really to destroy mankind. I'm not going to read the best of the the, the rest of this because he's not approaching it from um, a spiritual standpoint, but he makes some key points concerning that. All right, so from here, let's go to Romans one. But where where did I say go before that? Did I say that? Okay, we're in Corinthians. All right, let's go to Romans one. Sometimes I get carried away. I forget where I am. <laughs> Now, Romans 1 breaks down where this comes from and how it comes to be. Mm -hmm. We know that it's spiritual, but I like the way it's broken down. We'll start in verse 18. Romans 1 and 18. Everybody there? All right. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, the wrath of God is against this. Now, you know, in colleges, most people will lose their faith. Why? You're taught to believe that man is second. Well, God is second. Man is first. They promote humanism. It's all about you. God's word can't have anything to do with reality. You know, at best, it's a history book, but... Don't pay too much attention to its truth. So they hide the truth in unrighteousness. This is what the Lord is judging. Now that's the first step. In order to tell people there is no God, you have to deny the one that exists. 
and you have to hold back all the truth that would reveal who God is, you know, so that's the first step, okay, so they hold the truth in unrighteousness, 19, because that which, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shewed it unto them, so what they're trying to stop is the spirit of God that reveals God to us, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What they're saying here is, okay, you want to hide the truth in unrighteousness, but they're saying that the Lord left us signs to show that he exists. That when they knew God, you know, it's, it's kind of like... Um, you got how everything is in order. You have 12 hours day, 12 hours night. Daylight savings time doesn't change it. All it does is push the day further away or brings it closer. But you still have a 12 hours light, 12 hours dark. Now, how can something like that happen by chance? When you have mathematics and everything placed all through creation. Have you guys ever heard of the golden ratio? Yeah. The Fibonacci uh, sequence? But it's in all of creation. Like, for example, I'll give you one. For our creation, from the, my fingertip to the first knuckle would be a one. Okay? This right here is a three because this bone is twice as long as this one. This would be a five. This is an eight. And this is a 13. Okay? Now, that sequence shows up in so much of creation. The swirl on your head that all babies have has the same Fibonacci sequence. They call it the golden ratio. Your fingerprints have that same swirl, that sequence. Piano keys, the way they play with mathematics and, and the way that they're lined up, has the same Fibonacci sequence. A flower's a bud, the swirl in the flower, same sequence. Waves in the sea, tornadoes, hurricanes, water down the drain, has the same Fibonacci sequence. So all of creation, a dog's tail in relation to its body size, all these things have something to do with that golden ratio, and it's in all of creation. So how can you have all these numbers, this pattern show up by chance? That's impossible. Mm -hmm. if, the, if the eye is more um, complex than a jet, than a space shuttle, then you know that none of this could happen by chance. If, you, if we just come from some primordial slime from the beach, Okay, it washed up on in. Somehow it was struck by lightning, and it came to life. Now, no one's ever observed this. But all of a sudden, who's going to tell that organism, you need eyes? You need ears to hear, too, by the way. So which one came first? What was he stumbling and bumping into? What was his nose developed first? So he could smell, then he can hear, then he can see. Of course, he's got to have something to mate with because that process has to happen twice. So that's like getting struck by lightning twice in the same place. You got to be, that organism has to be alive long enough to have lightning strike someplace else. Those two find each other, can't see, can't do anything, and multiply. Then we become, you know, amphibians, and then we're monkeys, and bam, we're here. You know, we've arrived. It takes more faith to believe in that nonsense than it does to believe in God that he created everything. Mm -hmm. But this is what it means by hide the truth in unrighteousness. God gave us so many things. You have the uh, trees. They, um, you know, they take in carbon dioxide to produce oxygen. Oxygen for who? 
Now, who told them the to, they don't need oxygen to live? So who's the oxygen for? So the trees decided to do this all by themselves for no particular reason, even though the Bible says that God created these things to accommodate man. It's ridiculous, but this is where they're without excuse, you know, but the creation of the world is here, and no one wants to see it. What are you laughing at, Jeff? You're right. I mean, it's crazy. I'm laughing at the mushrooms that don't believe. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's like, it's just, it's just so crazy how they believe this. It was called the theory of evolution, but now people will come, at, come to you like it's... Theory of creation right. now. Right. Even but, gravity is a theory, mm -hmm. and they're just yeah. now trying to prove it, and they still can't. Right, but they you come to you. Watch, they observe the effect of it, but you can't prove the, uh, you know, theory. Exactly, and they, the whole fossil record is because of the flood. I mean, it's, we've done a study on evolution too, but you, yeah, you heard like, of Kent Hovind? No. Oh man, no, look like, him up. Of, he, yeah, I was thinking a lot of the stuff that we do find is existed during the flood period. The point. fact that bones could giant stay fossilized. Giant sea monsters, I mean, they mm -hmm. didn't exist pre-flood. <laughs> mm -hmm. And think about how bones can stay fossilized. Now, you know, we've talked about this. Obviously, it had to be the dirt from the flood that covered them quickly mm -hmm. so they could be preserved. If you leave a skeleton out, it's going to turn to dust. Okay, so the whole fossil record is a result of the flood. It's ridiculous. They found clams, you know, closed in a fixed position. You know, now when a clam dies, you know, that, what is it, that uh, muscle opens, yeah. it relaxes, and it, that's why you find them separated most of the time. When a clam's alive, it's together. Now, if it's buried that way, then it died alive. I mean, that, that just makes perfect sense. Anyway, I get carried away with that because there's just so much about the Lord that these people try and get rid of. So then it says, in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. One thing we have to understand here, all of uh, creation goes back to Nimrod, not creation, but the understanding of God. Nimrod obviously knew there was a God. That's why he says when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. What did Nimrod want to do in Genesis 11? build a tower of Babel to go into the heavens to fight against God, to try and take over. Now, good luck with that one. You're going to try and destroy who had always existed, you know. But so, you know, their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. This is the education system. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So, you know, the second step is, one, they hide the truth and unrighteousness. The Lord still shows them that, you know, he is God. Obviously, there's a creation. The next step is, they know that it's him, but they know him not as God. They become vain in their imaginations. Their foolish hearts become darkened. So, they know their theory of evolution is a lie, but they have to deceive you because they don't even want to acknowledge God. And then it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The next step is, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God, made like unto an image of corruptible man. Now, God is only telling us, separate and elevate, come up higher. Be ye holy, for I am holy. What does the world say? Let us make God in our image. You know, if what your truth is, is your truth. If you want to believe this, this is yours. Forget about that guy. We don't believe in him. We believe in the evolution of man. 
Okay, so this is what they're talking about. So they changed the truth of God. And then it says, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Now this is the first stage. Because now that I've changed the image of God, now that I've become vain in my imaginations, now I'm going to do some unclean acts because I don't believe God exists. Mm -hmm. You see how it, it's slowly going down. So, uh, wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God gave them up to that. Okay, if this is what you want, try and figure it out yourself. You know, when you want me, I'll be here. 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is your evolution here. This is your humanism. This is everything that you can possibly think of. It's not about God. It's all about man. Okay, so this is where we're going. Through uncleanness, this is what they believe. Verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use uh, into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of that error which was meet. Okay, so we understand now just what the Bible says. If they do evil, they'll get evil. But notice how it didn't just stop with uncleanness. Most people start out in sin, you're into illicit sex, living your life, doing whatever. But what's the next step? The devil takes you further and further into humiliation. Okay, so now that we've done that, now let's really get down to the good part. This is how Satan feels. Oh, why don't we try this? Why don't we invite another woman over? Why don't we try it? No, because, you know, let's, let's explore our sexuality. They've gone from unclean unto vile. You see how it, where it's headed. But look at what they're talking about, homosexuality. It didn't just begin with just born that way. There was a stage of forgetting about God, moving down into a false belief system, going into uncleanness, now into vile affections. Look at what the last stage is. Does everyone understand so far? Because I don't want to you know, speak too fast or whatever. 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Okay, so a reprobate mind means a mind that cannot be fixed. It means it's disqualification from God. God gave them over. If this is what you want, I've sent thousands of people to you to come to the truth and to know me. If you are that crazed in your mind to want to pursue this, to go with it, no matter what I've shown you, you spat in my face, you want nothing to do with me, you're now turning out little kids and other people, then I'm going to turn you over just to what you want. Okay, now that's the scariest thing that God can do. Reprobation means disqualification, um, not worthy pretty much. It's just like unfruitful. Now, it's not just the homosexual that the Lord is speaking of. He's speaking of all those that want nothing to do with God. The Lord can redeem anyone in any situation. So I'm not speaking against that. But God decides when someone becomes reprobate, when it's all over for you. So a lot of people think you got to wait till judgment day to see if the Lord reaches someone's heart, then yes. 
But what I'm saying is, if the Lord has tried with you several times, what is he to do now that you don't want him? He's not going to keep begging you. The love of God will give people time to do the things that they need to do to get to know him and to come into the kingdom, okay? I'm not saying it's too late. But what I'm saying is there is a point where the Lord will shut the door. Now, I know that's, that's hard for a lot of people, but I'm reading it right here. Because they did not want to obtain God in their knowledge. What does that mean? People have constantly preached to you. People have talked to you. People tried to talk to you about the Lord to come out of your sin. Now, like I said, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but I am saying there are some people that are so rotten to the core that even now when you try and talk to them about the Lord, they want nothing to do with it. They want nothing. They'll even get mad at you. Uh, we got in trouble at work for people uh, trying to talk to people about the Lord. People have tried to, um, they put us in the newspaper, you know, stuff about us, trying to get us fired. But the Lord helped us keep our jobs, move them out, yeah. <laughs> you know. So the point I'm making is it's not my job to say who's reprobating, who isn't. But what I'm saying is the Lord is sure of this. If it continues down that road, he's going to turn them over. But do you see how it came to be? You see how it began with just hiding the truth. Then it came to their foolish heart being darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Then the next level is, you know, I'm going to serve the creature, forget about the creator. And because there's no God, now I can get into uncleanness. Uncleanness takes you into vile affections. And what's next? The reprobate mind. Okay, so this is a stage in where it goes. So to be honest with you, and it may not be my right to say it, but I'm feeling moved by the Spirit too. This is about the last stage you can go before reprobation. This is when your whole world has been turned upside down. I mean, think about this. To, to even think of doing some of the things that they do, your mind would have to be pretty warped. Because why would you desire as beautiful as a woman is? You know, as, as much as a woman can be attracted to a guy, there's something going wrong in your world. Now, I'm not saying it's not it's your fault. What I'm saying is there's a remedy that's going to fix this thing, and his name is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're all broken, and he had to redeem us all. But something, when you reach that stage, man, your whole world is upside down. Right is left. You know, wrong is right. Them bringing these bathrooms in, Satan understands the real agenda, but the man's agenda is... Well, let's accommodate them, too. You know, they're good people and all that. And then they'll call you homophobic if you're not for it. Okay, so the guy who's, you know, being bent over a bed rail, okay, getting done like an animal, he's normal. But because you believe in the truth in Jesus Christ and what's unnatural and and, and seeking him, you're the one with the problem. Do you see how twisted this world has become? What's wrong is right. What's right is wrong. What did Jesus say? Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That's when your world is flipped upside down. Now, my heart goes out to them. I've led many to the Lord. I try and speak to them when I can. I mean, you know, and they're not hard to be delivered. They just have to recognize what they've learned is wrong. A lot of this stuff happened to them as children, so they didn't know it any other way. Right. There is a such thing as a familiar spirit where, I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, but... A familiar spirit the Bible talks about, it's a spirit that hangs with your family. Mm -hmm. They're responsible for things like ancestral curses. 
You ever notice like there's some families that have a capacity to be barren? You know, the women, none of them can have kids, or every time they try, there's an abortion, divorce happens, drunkenness. All these things tend to come. And, you know, we've all had curses in our lives that the Lord can redeem us. But a familiar spirit will hang with you or your family while you're while they're alive. You know, someone might have opened that door to witchcraft. Someone might have opened the door to alcoholism or whatever. All these things could be canceled in the Lord. But if no one cancels that, that spirit has a legal right to play around in your life. Okay, you're now dead. I'm going to go to your daughter now because you opened the door. So as far as I'm concerned, I have a right to be here. You know, who let me in? Your uncle let me in. Well, someone has to recognize the curses that are going on in the family and cancel them in the name of Jesus Christ. So that's all we have to do. The Lord can fix any situation. But what I'm saying is they are like one step away from reprobation. They're about as low as you can get is what I'm saying. You know, and I'm not saying that. The Bible is saying this. What? You want to say something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, I know he mentioned it yesterday about you know uh, how how I was when I was straight out of the military, but it was kind of like a brief overview. <laughs> um, but when I first got out um, of the military, I was just like my mind was pretty warped because I thought I was still in that whole mentality. You know, I can be just like a man and. You know, I was fighting against that spirit that was within me, that male spirit that was within me. And for many years after I got out, I just wanted, to, I didn't realize it that how much like a man I wanted to be instead of wanting to be a woman and wanting to. That's what the military will do to a woman, you yeah. know? But yeah. And from there, you know, I'd be in certain relationships I shouldn't have been in. I was an alcoholic for a long time. And. Through the Lord speaking to me through Him, it was my one last opportunity to turn my life around because I was on the verge of what He's talking about right here. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, I, I couldn't tell you if the Lord was going to give me another chance, but I wasn't going to take that opportunity to just, uh, you know, what, whatever, man, I, I, I got this. I don't, you know, I know who the Lord is. You know, He's some distant whatever, you know, I, I mean, I believed I was an alien from another planet, for crying out loud. Well, I'm not joking either, I really did. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's new age. Panspermia yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. But when the Lord yeah. started talking to me through him, everything just started making sense. Because what he talked to me about, I had never heard in church. And it was just like when he started talking about demons and all that kind well, of stuff. Well, the glory goes to yeah, the Lord. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm just a clay yeah. vessel right. sitting in the chair of no value, just doing the Lord's right, will, exactly. you know. But um, let's go to Malachi 4 real quick. Then we're going to cover something that Jesus said in um, Matthew. And then we can probably conclude. I mean, I want to, I'm going to put all this stuff on the website, but... You know, some things, oh, no, I've got to read this in a few. Okay, I've got to read this. This is a pastor telling you about the spirit of homosexuality that he's going up against trying to cast out demons. So I've got to read that right after Malachi 4. Yeah, Malachi 4 is at the end of the Old Testament. Now, what we talked about earlier that this world is turning matriarchal. So, uh, we'll start at verse 1. Malachi 4, everybody there? Almost. 
Yeah, we cover a lot of things in our studies, man. We go into there's no subject, no stones unturned here. Not all the stuff. I feel like you learn a lot in like a short amount of time. Like whereas if you go to church, you don't learn like that much like context. No, because his job is to make money to keep bringing you back. Yeah. You I'm good. only gonna read one scripture. Why? Because I'm not following the Lord. I want to keep people here. So I'll just talk about one thing about grace or about this or about that. But then, you know, I find most people in the churches don't know their Bibles because of that. That's a religious thing. That's not a God thing. There's a difference. I've gone to church a lot the last, like, year. But mm-hmm. I've, honestly, the last few times, I've probably gone more through my Bible here than I have at church. Which is, <laughs> yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Right. Glory is all his. All right, Malachi 4, verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all they that, I mean, all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day uh, that cometh shall burn up, I mean, shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. So this is talking about the day of the Lord, the last day, but this is the end of the Old Testament, and it says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healings, uh, in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of a stall, I mean of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb uh, for, uh, oh, for all Israel uh, with the statutes and judgments. So he's saying, remember the law, because obviously Christ hadn't come yet. This is not turning people back to the law. You know, the law was only a schoolmaster. Jesus did away with it and gave us a brand new covenant, the Holy Ghost. But look at verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So if the hearts of the fathers are going towards the children, and the children's hearts are going to be turned back to the fathers, where are the hearts of the children right now? Turned away. Against their fathers, yeah. then where are their hearts? Turned, over, uh, turned towards Satan. Well, you have a father, and uh, mother, oh, it's turned towards the mother. So this thing has turned matriarchy. If you look at society, even on TV, mm-hmm. you know it's like the father is always the boo. He's always the moron. Every TV show you watch, oh, the man sister. is dumb. Homer, whoever, you know, he doesn't know anything. But the mother is always the brilliant one that the children run to. So Satan is trying to really do away with the whole father thing. Because he himself is a spirit that doesn't have a father. When God rejected him and kicked him out, he's trying to press that same spirit amongst people. Mm-hmm. If you're a kid today and you got a father, man, people hate your guts. They'll even tell you, oh, man, look at that old-fashioned relationship. So the question is, it's like, all right, well, you're jealous of me because of what I have? That's insane. But that's the spirit that hates any type of patriarchal, you know, um, relationship. So he said, unless they turn back to the Father, he will smite it with a curse. All right, I'm going to read one thing here, and then we'll get right back into the scriptures. Then we can conclude from there. 
Is everybody's phone over there? Or? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because, I mean, sometimes we do some good studies, and, man, when we get that sound and everything, it just throws everything off. Okay, this is called The Raw Naked Truth of Homosexuality. Gay rights and gay marriage uh, have become one of the major issues of our culture. This is uh, Elbert Bond's uh, Creative Commons Ministry, I guess. Uh, in a moment, I am going to speak very plainly and straightforward about homosexuality as a preacher. I have a great responsibility before God to speak the truth in love, to convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. That's uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Uh, to never shun to declare the whole counsel of God. That's Acts 20 and 27. If you are involved in a gay relationship or have a loved one who is, please do not get upset with me. I am for you and not against you. If you will listen long enough, you will see that I am actually trying to help you. I know a wonderful godly Christian couple who have, who have had to die a thousand deaths when their son recently arrived home from college and admitted to them that he was, a, that he was practicing a homosexual lifestyle. That is the very heart-wrenching trial for any God-fearing parent to have to face. Not today. <laughs> uh, they have my deepest admiration for handling this situation with love and honor. Even though uh, these things of situation should move us with great compassion, we cannot afford to lose our convictions. This couple has chosen to love their son while firmly holding on uh, to their strong Bible, uh, biblical convictions and opposing the lifestyle it leads. If you are a minister, a pastor, or even a priest, uh, I also would like to speak to you frankly and forthrightly with you today. The government of Denmark has made, a mandatory, made it mandatory for all churches uh, to conduct gay marriages regardless of religious beliefs, conscience, or convictions, no church or minister in Denmark is exempt from complying with this new law. Could America be next? America is next. Uh, could a law be passed that would order American churches to perform gay ceremonies if they want to maintain their tax-exempt status? The writing is on the wall. What will you do on that faithful day? Obey man or obey God? Gay rights and gay marriage uh, have become one of the major issues of our culture today. In such times, Christians cannot afford to lose their moral compass or compromise the scriptures. This is true. And I'm going to tell them all so all can hear on YouTube. Then you get my cell ready right now because there's no way in the world I'm going along with it. Amen. Uh, here is a reminder that will strengthen our moral bearings. The devil hates it when someone brings the truth out of out into the open. This is why you got the fireworks right here by the door. <laughs> he likes to keep all light and truth hidden in the darkness. He hates it when someone speaks plainly and clearly about sin. On the other hand, he loves to promote all that is abominable and evil. Uh, off with his head. No, that's what Satan would say, has always been the cry against those who confront sin and, plead and preach repentance. So here is the raw naked truth on homosexuality uh, that, we must forget, that we must never forget. The Bible says that homosexuality is unnatural. 
men in gay relationships have given up the natural use of the woman and women the natural use of the man. Now, we read that already in Romans um, 1. For even their women exchange the natural use uh, that is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use, blah, blah, blah. We went there. So this is uh, the next uh, paragraph. The Bible does not say that man changed when, I mean, what was natural. Neither does it say that nature or the environment or the culture or his parents, nor did his birth genes change uh, what was natural. It says that lesbian and homosexuals change themselves. Yes, that's right. The Bible says it is people that change their, nat their natural sex desires uh, in exchange for unnatural ones. The Bible sweeps away every argument, excuse, and destructive reasoning for unnatural sexual activity. Uh, some things are against nature and therefore against God because God created nature. Amen. Homosexuality is not ordained by God, nor is it even biologically right or natural. People are gay because they choose to be, not because they can't help it. It's a choice in the same way I choose, oh, I could choose as a sexually uh, normal red-blooded male to go out and commit adultery. Exactly. You know, and this is what they're doing. They're trying to use it as it's some excuse when there's nothing else in this world that works that way. All right? If I want to go and kill someone, it'll be because I chose to do it, not because I have a murder gene in my blood. Mm -hmm. If I told a lie, it's because I wanted to lie, not because there's a lying gene in my... Well, maybe there is because Adam lied. You know, but the point <laughs> is, all things can be canceled in Jesus Christ. That's right. Okay? So they're trying to make excuses. Then how can a homosexual... How can a heterosexual turn homosexual then? Okay? How can a homosexual... Turn heterosexual. So you know that it's with your will. This man is absolutely correct. Okay, so um, all right, where am I? Uh, the next one, it says, being gay is a choice just like a heterosexual couple chooses to have children uh, or a man decides to remain celibate uh, and enter the monastery or a woman chooses to be a nun. Men don't say, I can't help being a monk. Women don't say, I couldn't help being a nun. Just as normal couples make a choice to marry or not to marry, uh, have sex or not, or to have sex, have children or not have children, uh, so it is being gay. I mean, so is it with being gay. The choice to be gay, however, has a far greater risk uh, in that it ties one to lust, illicit passions, and unclean practices that open up a person to the demonic. I will explain this further below. I think that's it. Okay. Uh, we've got this whole thing muddled up because people don't speak plainly and clearly anymore. They beat around the bush and are obsessed with political correctness and being loving and tolerant. The truth is that everyone makes choices every single day. Um, oh, you can choose to believe in God or not. You can choose to believe the Bible or not. You can choose to surrender your life to Jesus Christ or not. You can choose to be a liar, a thief, a whoremonger, a murderer, an alcoholic, or a drug addict. Quit blaming it on your genes <laughs> uh, or your addictive personality, unfortunate circumstances, or your background and upbringing. 
yes, our culture and surroundings influence us, but we don't have to yield uh, to its evil influences. For example, I can say to my wife, I really want to get down to the part where it's demonic. It goes further into it. All right, I'll just read. I mean, I'm not going to, I'll catch the part that I'm looking for. For example, I can say to my wife, it's so natural for me to have sex with a woman, so I think I will. I just can't help myself. Just because a woman opens her blouse to me and entices me, okay, sir, to have sex with her uh, doesn't mean that I will. The fact is some people just want to do what they naturally, I mean, what comes naturally or what feels good, and the devil eats them up. He will feed you all the lies and perversion you are willing to receive. Uh, here's the raw naked truth about homosexuality. It is actually a demon spirit. It is such a, uh, a putrid-smelling demon that other demons don't even like to hang around it. Now, this is a man that's involved in the um, deliverance ministry. But it says that they're around it. Uh, a genuine prophet of God uh, told me that the Lord allowed him to smell this demon spirit, and he got sick to his stomach. And yet, as humans, many embrace this demon. Yes, you heard me right. Being gay is demonic. And such a powerful demon. I mean, when you look at it, it's it's probably the one spirit that can turn a man, his whole shape from the inside out to be feminine. And the same thing with a woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, this spirit is so powerful that it can actually change. I mean, I've seen men with no hips that have become gay, have the hips of a woman even walk, and they develop a lisp as if it's not them speaking at all, almost like it's a serpent tongue. I know a lot of people have turned gay that did not have that speech, but it, it becomes uncontrollable as if something in them is speaking through them. All right. Um, uh, there is an account in the Bible where Jesus cast 2,000 demons out of a man. That's Mark chapter 5. If you guys want to put that down and read it yourself. The demons came out screaming and begged Jesus to send them into the pigs. The pigs didn't want them, so they ran down a steep hill and were drowned in the sea. Pigs have more sense than some humans. Some people embrace homosexual demons, but the pig would rather die than be possessed with the demon. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding, that's Mark chapter 5. Uh, from a biblical perspective, the rise of homosexuality is a sign that a society is in the last stage, this last stages of decay. And here is another terrible truth. As people continue to reject God, uh, he gives them over to increasingly immoral and self-destructive activities. There are destructive physical, emotional, and spiritual consequences with homosexual behavior. All human beings know deep in their hearts that God exists, and they all know something of his moral standards. But people's unrighteousness leads them to suppress the truth and to believe false views of God and the Bible. And they twist the scriptures to their own destruction because they know that the truth would require them to repent and change. So we understand here that um, I'm not going to read all of this. We'll get right back and then we'll conclude. But this is called the raw naked truth about homosexuality. If anyone wants to look this article up, but he has a lot to say on it.
and um, the Bible does too. So this man is stating nothing different than what we just read, did we not? We just read in Romans 1 how a man can become, you know, defiled over time. And why? All right, we'll go to uh, Matthew 11, and we'll conclude from there. Well, it's crazy because, you know, a lot of people that are gay or whatever, they will say that they don't control it because they're being controlled by spirit, but they don't realize they can make that spirit go. Exactly. They just don't realize what's going on. Absolutely. Or they say they were born that way. Yeah, and like I said, you guys can look this up too. Um, this is called Matthew 11. But it says this is called Homosexuals Not Born Gay Evidence from Science, Genetics, and uh, History, Anthropology. This, is, this was pretty long, so I knew I couldn't get into it. But these are scientists themselves and others that are saying that, you know, it's impossible. To be born gay, at best, you're dealing with a familiar spirit. All right? So the only reason we're saying what we're saying is because we love them enough to tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. To repent and come to the truth in Christ is nothing he can't handle. I'm not preaching hate here, but yet they would want to throw me in jail for what I've just said. Yeah. One, I'm speaking for my religious beliefs. I never once gave my opinion. I only stand on the word of God. Yeah. You know, I'm only reading what is obvious. But they'll throw you in jail for this sort of thing. Like I said, get my cell ready. Because before I repent of something that I read here and that I stand on, I go to jail. All right, so. Exactly. All right, Matthew 11. That's right. Matthew 11, verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach their cities in their cities. Now, when John had heard uh, in the prison uh, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Uh, and they said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So John the Baptist, while he was in prison, he heard of the works that Jesus did. He always talked about the coming of Jesus. He sent two of his disciples to Jesus to find out if he's the one. Doesn't that sound familiar? Like the Matrix, the one, you know, but... And in that movie, man, that really tells the truth yeah, I love that. and I what's really time. going on. <laughs> the, this world we live in at best is a matrix. The world is not the way we know it to be. But that's not a godly movie because really they're speaking of the Antichrist, but they bring up so much biblical fact yeah. that they are trying to tell you the truth. All right, so Jesus answered them and said, Go and shew John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the deaf and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. So Jesus didn't say, Well, look at the old scripture and see that it's me that they're talking of my coming. Jesus said, I got power. Okay, now this is what belongs in every Christian, believe it or not, if you've got the faith. I know because these gifts have worked through me. No, I didn't raise the dead, but I laid hands on the sick and they recovered. You know, I've done things that were that were actually done. Miraculous interventions from diseases that they tell you are uncurable. Now, you guys can, you know, have your own speculation on it. I'm just saying that the gifts of the Holy Ghost are real. When you fast and you pray for real power, it can be done. Okay? So, um, and Jesus is, oh, and blessed is he. 
Yeah, I did read that part. Okay, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So this is possible that Jesus can offend you. If you believe in a false Christ, if you believe in false doctrine, Jesus will offend you because he brings the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's why when people hear something, the real word, we well, are like they're Christian, they should like it. And then, no, nah, I don't believe that. I think that that's a bad, people want to put their own interpretation. It's like, but then you don't believe your Bible. <laughs> exactly. And then you have these Christians will say, well, that was written by men. So you can't prove it. Wait a minute, but you're a Christian. So obviously you like this, right? I mean, you're supposed to. But no, that was written by men. Why? Because I don't want to change my life. So now everything is a lie. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. All right, verse 7, and as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Now remember, Paul talked about the effeminate will not make it into the kingdom of God, that they won't go in, you know, girly men. Well, the Bible here is saying, Jesus is here mocking, what went ye into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Like, so you came to see a little twig blowing. You came to hear some false gospel. You came to hear the sweet nothings of Jesus. Is this why you came to John the Baptist? You thought he was going to be a soft, sensitive, just show love, brother. We have to just love everybody. Never mind the truth. We just show love, saith Satan. Because love void of truth is, is hate. Yeah. You can't tell someone lies and then tell them you love them, no matter how good it sounds. Yep. Okay, so he said, a, a reed shaken in the wind. But what, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? So, you know, you came for a man dressed like a girl, you know, all soft and sensitive. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are the kings in houses. So he said, man, these guys are in palaces. You know, the men that got to get their hair and nails done and all that stuff. Jesus was a man's man. Where they make the mistake in thinking he was this hippie that just floated around with a flower in his mouth and just wanted to love and touch and caress everybody. Man, did you read the Gospels and hear the things that Jesus said to people for correction? Did you hear about the story where he uh, wrapped a, um, what did he make, a scourge out of um, oh, yeah. something and beat butts out of the temple? Did you guys hear about that story? Yeah, this is this is Jesus. He wasn't afraid to call people out. Call them out. Yeah. I mean, you know, he said my house will be a house of prayer, but you guys have made it a den of thieves. Now, I'm not saying this is the real Jesus. This is a part of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. That was righteous judgment. He is a God of love, so I'm not saying he's not. But what I'm saying is he's not the wimp that this society, this matriarchal society makes him out to be. Right. That's love you can receive is tough love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, you guys are so easy to be around. I'm telling you. Like, um, but what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, and I say unto you, and more than a prophet. So the Lord is, you know, hyping up John. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Now remember, John came, he spoke of Jesus Christ. Then it says, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
So the Lord is saying before all the prophets, John was the greatest of them all. He came preaching the truth. He wasn't affected by the world. He lived in the wilderness. You know, he came out eating, you know, uh, locusts and wild honey, dressed in camels here. Why? Because the Lord preserved him away from the world so he wouldn't be infected by it. Mm -hmm. Then he brought him in to preach the truth in, in John. Now, John couldn't be silenced, you know, but anyway, it says that, but he's saying, so even though John is great, that the least in the kingdom of God will be greater than him. What does that mean? The way to God's kingdom is down. When you're lowly, when you're humble, when you come as a servant, if you want to lead, then serve. That's what the Lord is saying. He becomes even greater than John in the kingdom of God. Jesus came. He was the son of God, but he made himself as a servant of no reputation. Why? To redeem man. He didn't come to be, you know, I am Jesus of Nazareth, you know, get my, uh, you know, get everything ready for me. No, he came lowly. I mean, he came as a man of no reputation, but obeyed his father unto the end, teaching us the way to go back into the Father, to get back what Adam and Eve lost, breaking that veil. Okay, so he says in verse 12, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So what the Lord is saying here is that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, I mean, you're going to have trials and tribulations as a Christian. You guys don't believe me? Go out there and preach the gospel and see how many friends you have. Right. But he's saying the violent take it by force. Now, that word for violent doesn't mean, you know, you, you fight, you know, with your fist for the kingdom. But what you'll do is you got to fight your way in. Because there's so much distraction, so much deception, so many people telling you, man, take it easy. You saved when you got baptized. Don't worry about it. Jesus says, he that does not do the will of my father will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we have a will to do, and it's not a hard will, okay? The only will that we have to do for the Lord is obey the Holy Ghost. Get to know the Lord. He'll direct your steps. He'll tell you what you should be doing. That's all it is. The Holy Ghost will lead you into all truth and all righteousness. That's why he came, not to glorify himself, but to glorify Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's saying the violent take it by force. The children of Israel are a good example for this when they left Egypt. When they were freed from Egypt, the Lord did that for them. Okay, he opened the Red Sea. He sustained them in the wilderness. They get to the promised land. They see these giants walking around in Numbers 13. Oh, man, certainly the Lord doesn't want us to go in there. Oh, yes, he does. He told them, I gave the land to you. Take the land. So he took the kingdom. They took the kingdom through. He took the kingdom through them. At this stage of the game, they were outside of Egypt. They were into the wilderness. This is where the Lord says, I want you to be participants. I've carried you. I've placed my spirit in you. Go take the land. Go take the promise. Go take your godly inheritance. But you see, they couldn't go. Why? Because of their unbelief. You'll find this in most churches. People would rather be spectators, participants, but they don't want to do their part. There's nothing wrong with congregating. There's nothing wrong with the body of believers coming together. The Lord says that iron sharpens iron, so that's what we're supposed to be doing. But, you know, we're not here 24-7 when we split out. 
We should be doing the will of the Lord. That's all he's saying. So we take the kingdom of God by um, through violence, meaning we take, he takes the kingdom through us. We fight our way into the promise. You have body, soul, and spirit. You have Egypt, the wilderness, and the promised land. Egypt would be the type of world. You come out of the world, and where do you go? Right into religion. Most people, when they come out of church, I mean, they come out of the world, they come right into church, into religion, where you're sorting it out. Once you go into the promise, you're in the spirit. Why? You have relationship. That's what the whole thing of the high priest in the Day of Atonement was about. He went from the outer court into the inner court, into the most holy place, where he leaves himself, he finds God, and he comes out with the mind of God. This is all our walk is supposed to be about, being the manifested sons of God, doing the things that the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to do. Yes, we can listen to one another. We can support one another, but we're supposed to be participants. Read James chapter 1. It'll tell you that we can't deceive our own selves. We have to do the work also. You got people in church that will sit there for 50 years. All they did was make a crease where their butt cheeks are supposed to be. And when they are done through all that praise and worship, because they did not know the Lord, they only knew their pastor, they only knew the church and all the religious stuff that comes with it, when they are done, they will go to hell because they did not know Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with the church if you're doing the things that God calls you to do. The only reason for a pastor and, and a prophet and evangelist and pastors and teachers are to perfect the saints to do the work also. If you're in church for 50 years, never doing anything for the Lord, you have not graduated to the status of taking the land, going into the promise, your godly inheritance. That's the stuff that matters most. Will you get there overnight? No. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm not saying it would take that long. The disciples were with Jesus three and a half years. But when he left, who do you think carried the church? They received the promise of the Holy Ghost. Those 12 men changed the world. They did everything that the Lord told them to do is why we can have a Bible. There are people that died so we can have this Bible in our laps because they clung to the faith. They believed in the truth in Jesus Christ. So that's all I'm saying. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll be done, guys, I promise. I'm sorry to hold everybody, but sometimes, man, I get, you know. <laughs> yeah. But he wants us to be participants eventually. And we grow. Christ has to be grown in you. It's an organic growth. That's what being born again is all about. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start at verse 1. This is the problem of everything. Alright, so it's not just a homosexual thing. It's a man thing without God. It needs God. Alright. Everyone there? Second Timothy <laughs> chapter 3 verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days perilous times shall come. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Okay, so before I say what I'm going to say, I'm just pointing that out. Because some people would say, well, this was in Paul's day. It says in the last days that these things would come. Mm -hmm. Verse 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, which is greedy, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection. Now, that can be also, you know, um, homosexual relationships. It can also mean unnatural, like you have women aborting their children. Mm -hmm. How can you be that unnatural? Without God, you can be, okay? All that, right. Absolutely. So then it says, um, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, meaning uncontrollable, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now that's the, that's the root problem right there. Mm-hmm. Satan makes this his kingdom so fun. But we don't have time for God. When God's telling you, I want to be grown in you, that doesn't sound as fun. See, so the devil always knows how to speak to your pleasure centers to get you to do his will. It's the only thing he has going for him. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So we're not supposed to be engaged in people that don't believe in the spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. These men go to seminary and they tell people the gifts of the Holy Ghost are done away. That was back then. Don't believe in that now. We have modern medicine. The Lord stopped that. He doesn't do that anymore. Read um, Mark 16 and 15. You guys can write it down. It says, um, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, ye shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. You shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The gifts of the Holy Ghost are real. But when it means having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, you know, there are a lot of people who go to church. They have a form of godlikeness. I'm prim, I'm proper. You know, I'm saying all the godly things. Oh, bless you, brother. Oh, the Lord be with you, brother. But you don't. Christ is not in you. You don't have Christ in you. Why? Because the Spirit of Christ would tell you to go and do the will of the Lord. But instead, my pastor's doing enough, so I'll just sit there under him and you know, trust him to lead the way. The Bible says to make your calling and your election sure. So we have a work to do ourselves. And I'm not preaching works. It's through faith that we have the works of God. Okay, so um, so it says, uh, verse 6, For of this sort are they led, are they which uh, creep into houses they, and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away by diverse lusts. These guys, Joel Osteen, what they're talking about, you find a lot of men, and I mean this sincerely, no offense to any woman, most men would not be in those churches listening to that garbage if they didn't have a wife, okay, that felt the way to be godly is to speak soft. You know, you got to be soft, sensual. You have to show love in a matriarchal sort of way. Not men speaking like men. That offends a lot of women because most of them have dealt with men who were no good. But you find a lot of men that know, man, hey, I want to take the fight to the enemy. And it's, no, come on to the church. Learn how to be godly and gentle. Jesus just said the kingdom suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. You got to fight your way in. We're soldiers for the Lord and we have to see ourselves as that. I'm not speaking revolution or anything. I'm speaking spiritually that we are to do the will of the Lord. Okay, so one last verse, and then we'll get out of it. It says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There you go. In church 50 years, you don't know your Bible because it wasn't taught to you, neither did you study it yourself. 
This is what it's all about. And I'm not trying to be hard. I can learn something from this, too. I'm not always in my word like I, like I you know, am here. There are times I don't have time. So we can all improve in Lord. Ministers and preachers, man, they're not perfect. Don't let anybody kid you into believing that. They struggle with sin just like everyone else. They may be mature in dealing with sins because they've passed certain stages. But, you know, as a, as a believer, as a person, we fight with sin every day. Yeah. So there's no excuse for me. There's no excuse for us. There was no excuse for the apostles. And there's no excuse for a homosexual. Okay? We all have to come to be godly in Christ, grown in us, to do his will. Okay? So that's pretty much the lesson. I hope I wasn't yelling at anybody. I'm just, you know. I <laughs> <laughs> wanted to make one last quick point. Because yeah. um, something you and I discussed and we even mentioned in Bible study before, is like when the Lord cleans you up, the last thing that most of us want to do is remember what he took us from. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, we, we went down the wrong path and the Lord cleaned us up. But if we can save some, or excuse me, not us, but if the Lord can save somebody through us sharing our experiences with them, we shouldn't we should not act like we're just holier than thou and righteous and like we've never been in sin ourselves. Because that's our situations can actually if you can relate to somebody. Absolutely. I even admit it. You were gonna say something? Well like oh. that's what a lot of people think. It's like, oh, no one understands. It's like actually I've been through that and worse. <laughs> Well, let me hear my story and see how I got through it. Exactly. Like, because, oh, shit, I want to hear about your Christ. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, because this this is a place for the broken, man. That's the body of Christ. It's not for those who are filled. If you're filled, then you don't need God. You're just like these other people, you know? You're just like those humanists that feel like they don't need God. We're all broken. We all need to be fixed. We all need improvement. So no one is holier than thou here. Right. You know, I've done some things in my life, believe me, I'm not proud of. If there were people from Brooklyn that knew that I was doing this, man, they'd be, who, Derek who? From Farragut Road? Man, you're crazy. There's no way in the world. But the Lord can change any situation. That's all I'm saying. So we're going to pray out. All right, Sarah, go ahead. Does everybody say what they needed to say? Or everybody's good? No misunderstandings, anything? All right, go ahead, Sarah. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us, Lord, another day not promised us. Lord, I want to thank you for this time that we have together, Lord, to share your gospel, to dive deep into your truth, Lord, to have understanding. Lord, I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, everything that you've given to us, Lord, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord, because you have taken care of every need. You've given us so much, Lord, Lord, that we have that we are thankful for. Lord, you've given us everything that we need to go through this life and to serve you. Lord, I want to thank you for your true and holy word and the abilities that you've given us to understand it, Lord, through you sharing your secrets with us. But tonight, Lord, I am asking and praying that we will seek a greater, more intimate relationship with you. Lord, that we talk to you, that we come to you. Lord, that we Everything that we are going through in our lives, Lord, every problem, Lord, that we have in our lives, that we give it to you because, Lord, we we have to know by now that we cannot solve this ourselves. Lord, it is only by your will upon our lives, Lord, that we will be fixed. Lord, it is only through you sharing, Lord, you coming upon our lives 
your grace period, Lord, the time that you give us to get our lives right with you. Lord, and I am so thankful for your grace period. I am so thankful, Lord, that you have come in our lives, that you have cleaned us up, Lord, that you've taken the sin away from our lives. But, Lord, help us to know and understand that we've got to keep going. Lord, we've got to continue to run that race. Lord, and I'm, I just pray that you would give us that understanding. Lord, and I am so thankful for everyone who's come tonight. Lord, I'm so thankful for this ministry. But, Lord, also help us to understand that everything that keeps us from doing your will, everything that chokes off the Holy Spirit, Lord, <clears throat> all idols, all false doctrines, Lord, everything that is anti-Christ, Lord, I pray that those things be taken down and moved out of the way, Lord. Take the veil off of our eyes. Lord, help us to seek to read your scripture, Lord. Help us to seek to, to compare our lives to your word. Lord, let your sh light shine through us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to bring lost souls to you. Lord, help us to understand the agenda that's going on around us, Lord, that this is Satan's kingdom. Lord, that we are only in this world to bring people to you. Lord, and help us to understand that if we have stock in this life, that we are above men most miserable, that we are living to live again. Lord, help us to be sanctified unto righteousness, purified unto holiness. Lord, help us to be unplugged from this world system, to be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to not have any fear of trials and tribulations or persecutions, loss of family or friends or job, Lord, because you will keep us. Lord, I am so thankful for everything that you've done for us, but I pray that you will light a fire under this ministry, that we are not only hearers of the word, but doers only. Lord, give us your boldness and your wisdom and your strength to go out and profess your name, to preach and to teach your gospel with spiritual discernment, Lord. I pray that everything that we have going on in our lives, Lord, if we have family or friends, Lord, that need to come to know you, that need to hear your truth, guide and direct our lives, Lord, that we can do so for them. That we can, Lord, show them your gospel, show them your truth, Lord, show them how you can heal their lives, both spiritually and physically. Lord, I pray that you will guide and direct and lead our lives, that you will lead us into your truth, lead us into all truths, Lord. I pray that we will take on the full armor of God, and if we have chinks in our armor, Lord, I pray that we will come to you so you can fix us. Lord, help us to understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. Lord, I, I pray that you will place your shield of protection around us, Lord. And I, I, I'm just praying, Lord, tonight that you will guide and, let, and direct this ministry. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.